Welcome to the Jeff Eby Show. Jeff Eby Show. Where the talk is all about Dixon County. Live from beautiful downtown Dixon in the historic Reagan's Arcade. Welcome to the Jeff Eby Show, where the talk is all about Dixon County. We are guest-focused and listener-supported. Like us on Facebook and subscribe on YouTube at The Jeff Eby Show. Now, here is your host, Jeff Eby. Hey, we are so glad for you to uh, be with us here today. We are here on Veterans Day. It's a little gloomy out today here in Dixon County, but... Hey, we're glad to be here. Uh, we had our Christmas parade last, our Christmas parade, our Veterans Day parade last Sunday, and it went off really well. And uh, so we wanted to dedicate this show to our veterans, and we have some veterans here with us. We've got some uh, reps from the VA that's going to be talking with us a little bit. So I know you're going to want to tell your people to your your especially your veterans to tune in because there's going to be a lot of information that you're want to want to going to see. So. Uh, Without further ado, let me introduce uh, my co-host today is riding second seat with me is uh, uh, Richard Lee uh, of Lee Realty, but he's also uh, uh, really uh, involved with the VFW, and uh, we appreciate you being here. We have Tom McBride, who is a Vietnam veteran, and uh, we really appreciate you being here today. And we have Mike Artiz, who is, uh, he's also a veteran, and uh, he uh, is uh, instrumental with our VA program here in, in Dixon County. And then we have another VA rep that's going to be up here uh, in a few minutes when we start talking about that. So uh, we're just so glad that uh, you're here. And uh, if you will, just please like and share this video if you're on Facebook and like and subscribe if you're on YouTube right now. We want to try to get this information out to as many people as we can. So uh, please do that if you will. I will appreciate it. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Richard, uh, just tell us a little bit about your involvement with the VFW and everything that goes on with that. Uh, do you think we deserve an explanation on the hat? Is it, you know, well, you go ahead. You're going to explain that to us? No, or? no. <laughs> you're not going to tell us about that at all? Or you? Well, tell <laughs> us about yours. Okay, okay. my hat, is uh, this is our VFW hat, and so we definitely wanted to plug the VFW today. It's an it's, uh, uh, integral part of our community and our veterans and a place where they can go and, and uh, uh, commune with the other veterans and, and uh, uh you know, it's just a great organization for, for our community. So Right, right. And, uh, I mean, we want you want as many veterans to try to join a VFW as possible. Yes. I know we have a lot of veterans in Dixon County, and yes. a lot of them aren't involved with the VFW. So we want to just send out an encouragement to everybody to kind of get involved. How do, how do they do that if somebody wants to go ahead and join? Well, they can call us. They can, you know, obviously Google VFW Dixon and, and call our number. I don't, I don't know the number. You know the number by chance? Yeah, okay. Uh, but you can call one of us, uh, 615-708-0031. That's my number, Richard Lee. I'll be happy to uh, steer you in the right direction. But we definitely want to reach out to our younger veterans. Right. Uh, I think the average age right now for the VFW for our state is 69. So we know we've been at war for a couple decades now. We definitely want to reach out to those younger veterans and, and let them know we're there for them. Uh, that's what the VFW is all about is, is our veterans. So uh, we want to let them know that we're there. We're up on top of the hill there. You can't miss right. us. It's got a big old helicopter out there. And so, yeah, uh, we have a story about that in a few yeah, minutes. Yeah, we'll talk about that <laughs> a little bit. But, uh, yeah, we're there for you. And, uh, you know, just like uh, Mike is and all of us, we want to let you know we're here for you. Uh, there's other guys out there just like you, and, and we're here. Just reach out to us. We'll, we'll help you get involved in the community. Right, right. Now, what was your – give us a little bit of your background in the military. Uh, I was 11 Bravo Infantry. Right. Uh, I uh, joined in 1989, right out of high school. I had, I was 17 when I joined. Uh, my parents had to sign so. sign the paperwork for me. So, uh, right out of high school, I graduated and went went off to uh, Infantry Training School in in uh, Fort Benning, Georgia. Yes. And uh, went, got stationed at Fort Campbell, and that's that's what brought me to Middle Tennessee was uh, when I was uh, stationed up there. But uh, I went out to the first Gulf War. I was in a recon platoon. I rode a motorcycle in combat, actually. So uh, just a real short. I was eight years total, but two years active duty. Right. Uh, but uh, just a just a short career in the military. Do they still ride those motorcycles? Uh, I think they do still have some in, really? uh, in various units, but uh, I think some of the scout platoons probably still have them. So. Got you. Yeah. Got you. So how was your time in Desert Storm? Uh, I was there right around 11 months or so, uh, but we, the actual combat time was about two days, as most of you know. Right. 
Uh, some of my combat friends give me a hard time about that, but I was like, well, we got the job done in, <laughs> in 48 hours. Uh, it didn't take us two decades. We was, there, we, was, we was there about 48 hours and went it home. It was done deal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's how you get it done. But anyway, they said, well, if you got it done, we wouldn't have had to go back. So, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, ours, ours was short-lived, and uh, my career was pretty short, but. Okay. Didn't change it for anything. All right, let's uh Tom, let's 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 talk to you cuz you're our, our our Vietnam vet and uh kind of give us a little back big background about how you got into the military and how that all transpired a little bit. Okay, uh I joined the military when I was 18 years old just out of high school, wanted to get out of my hometown. I'm originally from uh northeastern Ohio. Lived in Burns for since 2015. Um so right away, I went to Fort Polk, Louisiana for basic, which was a big shock. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, they, were, they were preparing you for Vietnam, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> Little bit no doubt. Right. And then yeah. that's, uh, from there, we went to Fort Walters, Texas, which I don't even think exists anymore. That was the primary helicopter school and warrant officer training school. Um, spent about six months there, then went on to Fort Rucker, Alabama for the uh, second part of the flight training and and the uh, candidate school. Um, so you did that in combination at the same time, I guess? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, that made it a little more difficult because right. you were under a lot of scrutiny for you know, everything else. Right. But anyway, uh, from there, I had about three weeks leave and went to Vietnam in 1968. Wow. Um, so did you know that you wanted to fly? How, how was that? Yeah, decision? that was the only reason I wanted to get in the service. You know, like out of high school, you, any other branch, you had to have a four-year degree to get into any, any kind of flight school. Right. So in the Army, they had the Warrant Officer Flight School program. Yeah, they called it high school to flight school or something like that? Well, I don't remember exactly what the <laughs> term was, but basically <laughs> was that's like what it, it was. And uh, so I arrived in uh, Vietnam. I was assigned to the 173rd Salt Helicopter Company, which was 11th Combat Aviation Battalion, 1st Aviation Brigade. How, how old were you when you arrived in Vietnam? 19. 19 wow. years old. Wow. wow. And right away, we started flying missions. We were OPCON for the 1st uh, Infantry Division, and we flew their soldiers all over the place. And we also took other units, even including uh, South Vietnamese troops. And there was a lot of excitement. For me, being a 19-year-old kid, it wasn't like I was married with cho uh, children to worry about. Right. It was the biggest adventure of my life, and uh -huh. to this day still is. Mm -hmm. wow. Because we did a lot of crazy things. People have asked me, like, why don't you want to fly now? Well, in one year, I got almost 2,000 hours of, of flying, which is a lot, uh, you know, especially when you're flying around in formation and all the stress involved with right. all that but uh you know the the reason why i don't do it today is because over there you could do anything you want to if we want to fly under a bridge we did so <laughs> <laughs> uh, <coughs> as far as uh, to sum up my service i would say that uh you know as vietnam vets you came back individually you didn't come back as units right. uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of negative connotation of Vietnam vets. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, when you talked about the first Gulf War and uh, Colin Powell and yeah. Schwarzkopf, they showed the world again what you should have right. as right. a background for being a, somebody that signs up to defend their country. And when you go in there with everything you had, I mean, we'd be flying around uh, rivers. There's Viet Cong standing on the other side of the river. You weren't allowed to go over there. So, you know, the, they sh they turn things around. Now, I think we're we tried to get back into that uh, negative side with Afghanistan, but of course now that's over. Uh, as far as the VFW, a great organization. I'm, I was a life member. I knew the helicopter was up there. Yeah, tell us about that. Yeah. yeah. So I knew that's <laughs> where the VFW had to be. So, right. I, you know, after doing all the things you do when you first move somewhere else, I uh, went up there and I talked to the commander, uh, Jim O'Neill is deceased now, but uh, he invited me to a meeting. I went. I sat right next to uh, a guy from my hometown in Ohio, which, oh, wow. you know, talk about a deja vu moment. Right. And then after the meeting, I inquired about the helicopter. It was painted under a different company's uh, logo at that time. And uh, 
he gave me the, the sheet on it. And here it was in my company when I was wow. in Vietnam. Wow. And so it had been in four com uh, four companies over there and shot down every time, sent back, rebuilt, sent back over. So it was I had I had to restore the thing because it was in bad shape. Right. So, you know, a bunch of us got together, we restored it, have a plaque out there to explain its history now. And uh and that it really helped me to be able to do that. And sure. the people here in Tennessee are so patriotic. I love it. And uh, the group we have at the VFW, not only do, you know, not only do we uh, act as like a social club or whatever, right. there's so many <laughs> things that we do. We put on children's things for the Easter, uh, Halloween, Christmas, uh, always raising, we raise a bunch of money for the Waverly uh, yeah, this, this Halloween, I think we had 800 kids. Yeah. I mean, that so was a lot of kids. Wow. And we have the only real good fireworks on the 4th of July. Right. It's yeah. all free. You don't pay <laughs> anything. So I think that a lot of people don't realize how much we try to do for the community. And uh, also for veterans, every veteran that comes in there and can talk to us, we will try our best to guide them, uh, you know, to our local officers and uh, help them in any way we can to get them. You know, we've taken them to the VA hospital to get them signed up and right. things like that. So right. we try our best to to help. Right now, that the the Huey airframe is that the only one you flew, or did you did you fly any other airframes at all? Uh, that's uh, that's you know well when you go through uh, training, you fly a bunch of different trainer type aircraft. Right. But as far as um, the actual combat, yes, that's. That was my experience. Cool, cool. We're going to go to break really quick and stay with us. We'll be right back. We're going to continue our talk with uh, Mr. McBride, and then we've got some other discussions to talk about. So stay with us. We'll be right back. We all make bad choices. Your insurance carrier doesn't have to be one of them. Make a choice you won't regret. The foremost choice. Are you looking for your dream home? Well, Lee Realty Group guarantees you the perfect home. With our expert agents that have over 100 years of combined experience, you are assured 100% customer satisfaction. If you are buying or selling, Lee Realty Group is your local veteran-owned real estate company. Contact us now at 615-446-2006 or online at leerealtygrouponline.com. Like us on Facebook at Lee Realty Group. choices. Your insurance carrier doesn't have to be one of them. Make the choice you won't regret. The foremost choice.
Well, we are back, and uh, we've been kind of just talking about some uh, some people, some of the guys here that's uh, been on deployment or whatever. And before we left, we were talking to Mr. McBride, and we we're talking about that airframe. And so you you basically flew the Hueys in Vietnam, right? Yes. And that was a airframe that was used up until you know uh, probably I think they did, did they have them when, when y'all were they were phasing them out, and uh, I think so. It was probably the mid to late '80s they were phasing them out. Okay. So. The hundred first had all Blackhawks by the time I got there, but there were still hawk. some flying. <laughs> there were still some flying around the Hueys, so I, I did ride one or two of them. But okay, uh, they were uh, relegated to the guard instead right, at the time. Right, so. right, and you know, before we, while during break, we were talking a little bit about the you know how kind of how the Vietnam vets were treated on the way back, and I know that was really bad rep for for the Viet, Vietnam vets. Yeah, as, as the story goes, I think they were spit on in the uh, airports and stuff. Yeah, I came back through um, what was it, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's people yelling at you and yeah. you know, it was just uh, you were in uniform situation. too. You were in uniform oh, yeah. come back, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't uh, pleasant and to this day there are still a lot of Vietnam vets that won't even talk about it. Right. Yes. And, you know, you asked me that before the right. show. I mean, you know, like it's a personal thing. But like I said before, I think we learned lessons from that. And hopefully, you know, we almost got sidetracked again. But hopefully we continue to support the troops with all our technology. And we paid for it. We've got to be able to use it if you're going to send men and women to war zone. Right, right. You know, the one of the things that I saw – and, of course, Vietnam, they didn't really uh, uh, have a lot of guard units that went to Vietnam. But, like, during the Gulf War and, and then, in, uh, of course, during, you know, during the Iraqi War, you know, there was a lot of guard units that got deployed and stuff. And I think that if, you know, guard units are actually in the towns, you know, they live in the towns, and I think you just – that kind of creates a little bit more support for the military when you have, you know, like guard units involved and reserves and stuff like that. Well, the but biggest thing with that mm-hmm. is that – you know, if, if you're in the Guard or Reserves, you go as a unit and you come home as a unit. Yeah, right. right. We came home as individuals. Yeah, right. That's right. Right. And that's a lot rougher. Right. right. Yeah. Right. I yeah. think one thing that's important about that is you mentioned about the Guard units, Reserve units. They're coming back locally. Right. Yeah. So people know them. That's right. And it has more an effect when you know somebody mm-hmm. right. that's involved in something. Right. Yeah, these Guard units were very active in the, the last couple of decades. Right. So they, they were deployed. Well, another big difference uh, is the fact uh, you mentioned a month ago. In Vietnam, you had a high, very high uh, number of drafted soldiers, sailors, whatever. Uh, I don't think that's the case in any of right. the Gulf activities. Right, yeah, it's all volunteer, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that probably made a difference, too. Oh, yeah. There were some people that didn't want to be there. They didn't even want to be in the military no. or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it made, a, made it a lot harder for everybody else, I think. You know, so. Okay, Mike, let's talk about you a little bit. Yeah. Kind of give us your background in the, in the military and everything. I know we talked a little bit offline, but uh, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, just like Tom, I'm originally from Ohio, small town in Ohio, about the size of uh, Dixon. Uh, went into the military straight out of uh, high school. Joined uh, September of 1980. Uh, decided to go infantry. Uh, my recruiter was upset at me because before I left to go to sign up, I was going into civil drafting. And the at the MEP station, they talked to me. The next thing I know, I was getting a $3,000 bonus <laughs> and going infantry. There you go. Queen and of battle, see? <laughs> yeah, just, that's how they talked him into it. Yeah, that's, that's it. Well, they got me. Uh, ended up staying 20 years. 20 years, my original plan was to do four and uh, then go to college. But uh, once I got in, I, I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it and made a career out of it. Got to do some, uh, you know, I had some good assignments. Even though I was infantry, I had the opportunity to uh, be a drill sergeant. Uh, yeah, how was that? How was that experience? I, I really enjoyed it because uh, it was my opportunity to give back to some young people. Right. Uh, uh, I knew I was there to be a mentor. I understood the role of a drill sergeant, but I was also there to be a mentor and try to help guide some of these young people. Uh, got the opportunity to be a uh, jungle instructor all right, down in Panama. Enjoyed that. Uh also, you know, being in light infantry units, 
throughout the course of my time. Right. Uh, was deployed in 1989 to Operation Just Cause in Panama. Uh, and like I said, ended up retiring here out of Fort Campbell in uh, September of 2000, and then moved to the Dixon area in uh, 2006. Cool, cool. So you you were in the infantry unit there when you were in, at Fort Campbell, right? Yes, okay. yes. In the old Rakasan. Right. Uh. How, how was that experience down at uh, the jungle school? Absolutely enjoyed it. Yeah. One of the best assignments of my time in the military. Uh, on a normal day, it'd be in shorts and a T-shirt and boots. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> if, we, if we weren't training units. Right. And when units weren't there, that was our normal, uh, our normal day. We'd go over you know, our training techniques, so on and so forth. And uh, the only time we really had jungle time was when we had units and come down and we would train them. We'd take them out anywhere from a week to two and a half weeks. Probably the roughest times when we had Ranger battalions come down. Right. Or Marine Corps. Right. But uh, really enjoyed that. Got to learn a lot of stuff. I'm sure. Um, so you were instructor there for how long? Uh, that was for 14 months. Okay. 14 months. From now you, uh, did you, you had to go through the school to be the instructor, right? Cor correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You had to go through the course prior to becoming an instructor. But I uh, did that from, I want to say, January of 97 to April of 98. And then subsequently left there and came to Fort Campbell. Okay. Yeah. And you got out when? I got out September of 2000. Okay. And then were you, weren't you a coach here in, in, in Dixon and for a while? Well, what I did, I uh, once I retired, even before I retired out of service, I was involved in youth basketball and uh had uh, started an organization. We had 15, 16, 17-year-olds and uh, got to be pretty good, traveled throughout the country, uh, trying to help these kids get scholarships uh, that wanted to play at the next level. Right. And matter of fact, uh, one of Dixon County's own, J.P. Prim, had played for me and uh, subsequently went on to play college and professionally. And, uh, but just got the opportunity to help out a lot of kids. All right, cool. Well, we're going to talk about the uh, the VA stuff here in just a few minutes, but uh, is there anything else you want to talk about with the, the uh, uh, VFW or anything like that? I mean, encourage people, again, um, you know, to call in. What's what's the dues every year? I forget what it is. How much is that, Tyler? You remember? I've been a life member for so long, I, I couldn't yeah. tell you. <laughs> and, and the life membership is what we encourage them to do, but I, I think it's, it's – based on age. It is based on age, and, uh, so it's a sliding scale. But I think to be a member, it's 50 bucks a month. But I'll tell you, if I've drug you up there to, to sign you up, I paid your first year. So uh, I know. I think you did mine, by I the way. I see. <laughs> uh, you, know, uh, you know, we definitely try to get people involved. If you're a vet, if you mentioned you're a veteran to me, I'm going to probably try to drag you up there to right. get you involved. So uh, it, uh, the dues is you, you've already paid your dues. We just want you to show up and, and, and be a part of it. So uh, we'll take care of you on that. Now, once you get involved, we try to encourage you to be a life member and, 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 uh, we wear that as a kind of a badge of honor. We're going to be here forever, and so we want you to be a life member too. But I think I think mine was three hundred bucks or something like that. But uh, yeah, we we want you to do that too. But uh, come get come get involved. We don't care if you you're in your twenties or if you're in your seventies. We want you to be there. Uh, you know, and and going back to what Tom was saying about when we when we got back, it wasn't lost on us that the Vietnam veterans uh, welcomed us back with open arms right. and. We felt like it was celebratory for them too, and uh, that wasn't lost on us. We we realized what happened in the generation before us. So there were yeah. there's a bunch of Vietnam veterans uh, at our posts and other posts across the country that'll tell you when they tried to sign up for the VFW, the World War II vets weren't welcoming. Oh really? Yeah, so we exactly. try to go out of our way to make sure that anybody that's interested, Absolutely. we're a close knit group of people, and we look after people like you know, especially if they. We've had, you know, people get older, they have medical issues, right. they mm -hmm. pass, and, you know, we try our best to keep tabs on everybody and help as we can. Yeah, I think, you know, as we've had these other wars since Vietnam, and, 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 and generally speaking, it's been supported by the public, I think that has kind of helped the Vietnam vet community too because, you know, people realize, you know, support for what's going on now, but to reach back and say, you know, we were, we're appreciate for what y'all did. I think 
that's kind of turned a little bit, and I think you know you, that that y'all are appreciated more than you were when you first came home. It doesn't know? happen everywhere in the country <coughs> that I go, but uh, Tennessee should be very proud of themselves the way they deal with that. And you know, I'll go. I'm wearing my Vietnam veterans cap to Walmart. I'll have two or three people say thank you for I your know. service. I mean, mm-hmm. and I'll do the same <coughs> when I see somebody. I mean, it's really it really means something. Right. Right. Now, how many total years did you do? I just did four years. Okay, and but you flew. You were a pilot that whole that whole time, uh, right? Yeah, p- once I got through training. Okay, cool, hmm. cool, cool. Two thousand hours in one year—that's that's like doing Lord twenty years all at one time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know a lot day. of pilots, and they don't have two thousand hours. That's a lot of hours. So. That's probably like eight hours a day in the in the seat, huh? Pretty much. Yeah, you flew. You know, anywhere from five to seven days a week. Wow. Because there was a lot going on, and uh, were you primarily transport or? Uh, an assault helicopter company is two platoons of what they call slicks, which actually take the troops and pick them up, mm-hmm. uh, and then a platoon of gunships to protect. And so basically your mission is to take a, a, a group of infantry and right. take them wherever they needed to go. Now, there are some times when you might go resupply things, but they had the, the bigger, the Chinooks and Sky Cranes for that. Right, right. And all the medevac was also the Hueys too, right? Yes, absolutely, okay. uh, everyone. Okay. And they, w- they were kind of outfitted kind of special, you know, the, the, the medic birds, right? You know, I mean. Uh, the only thing really different was that they had uh, a set of um, litters that right. were, you know, able to, you know, in other words, you couldn't put a bunch of troops in one because right. – the litters took up most of the room. Yeah, but they still had the, you know, the the crew chief and the gunner with, you know, the M60s, whatever. Yeah, I know. You see, like on, you know, you see like the Mash, you know, uh, uh, TV series. You know, when they show, of course, those helicopters really, you that know, that was a Bell Bell Thirteen, right. yeah. yeah. And then they had the little pods on the side where they yeah, actually that'd be a rough the way to have to go I to know. the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a wing and a prayer. You just, <laughs> out, you just out there on the skid, you know. I know. <laughs> So they didn't do any of that with the with the Hueys, did they? They were all inside. Well, the we always had, uh, you know, half the time when you're going to pick somebody up and they were getting shot up, you know, they'd be putting wounded people in there, and sometimes you'd have to go on a mission to uh, extract uh, dead soldiers. Right, right, right. Yeah. All right, we're gonna go to break again and stay with us. We're gonna come back and we're gonna start discussing a little bit about the VA and what uh, the VA can do for uh, the veterans. So stay with us, and we'll be right back. We all make bad choices. Your insurance carrier doesn't have to be one of them. Make a choice you won't regret. The foremost choice. Are you looking for your dream home? Well, Lee Realty Group guarantees you the perfect home. With our expert agents that have over 100 years of combined experience, you are assured 100% customer satisfaction. If you are buying or selling, Lee Realty Group is your local veteran-owned real estate company. Contact us now at 615-446-2006 or online at leerealtygrouponline.com. Like us on Facebook at Lee Realty Group.
Hey, we welcome you back. Uh, we're here uh, discussing some um, veteran issues and some of the things that our veterans did, our Vietnam vet and our Desert Storm vets uh, kind of did during their time of deployment. And we kind of want to shift gears just a little bit, and let's start talking about uh, the VA because a lot of soldiers go through a lot of things, and the VA is there to kind of help guide us through those things. And, and uh, one of the important things that we have in Dixon County is a representative for the VA. Uh, and that's actually a Dixon County employee that we employ. In fact, we've got, we've got two of them now. And we, uh, that is such a great benefit for our county uh, that, we, that we support that. And, um, you know, uh, and so we're just very uh, blessed to have, have you in our county to, to kind of help us navigate some of those things. So let's talk a little bit about, okay, if a soldier has an issue and they want to file a claim, what is, what is kind of the procedure that, that you go through for that? Uh, one of the first things we do when we have them come in is ask them to uh, bring a copy of their DD-214, uh, which is a record of service. Right. Uh, and that gives us a little background that we can have on them. And uh, then initially most of it is, just talking and listening, uh, trying to gather information, as much information as you can. Because as you listen, people will start to, start to tell you stuff. But the, the process is a very simple process. One of the first things we'll do is we'll do a, uh, it's called a simple power of attorney with the VA. It'll, it's an agreement between the veteran, either myself or Neil, and the VA that, uh, you know, everything is, 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 privacy issue right and it allows us to look into records so on and so forth so we'll do a simple power of attorney and then what's called an intent to file which saves that date that they come in there as their the date of their claim uh when they come back we'll have them gather up information you know medical records any documentation from friends so on and so forth and then we can actually file a claim and that claim can be for any condition any illness injury or disease that was incurred in service or that maybe it was pre-existing prior to service and was aggravated by your service right so uh that's just that's a, what they call a uh disability application form a 526ez uh they've really streamlined the process now before it used to take veterans years right to, you know, put in a claim and to get a final decision on it. Uh, nowadays, probably can get claims done in anywhere from two to six months. Uh, but that's in itself just a regular basic claim, uh, and there's no time frame. So if a veteran was in during the Korean War, you know, and we're talking about, uh, what, 70 years ago, right. they can still file a claim. As long as there's documentation somewhere in, in records to show that that uh, condition existed or was aggravated, then uh, that's all they need in order to uh, file a claim. Now, as far as the Vietnam vet's concerned, <coughs> of course, there's a, and, and I know that Congress has enacted some things and the VA's kind of changed on this, like, Agent Orange that a lot of the vets were exposed to. Um so if, if a vet dis, didn't, uh, like, during the out-processing, you know, say anything that, 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 that affected them at all, but later on, you know, and I know the VA has what they call a nexus. You have to have a nexus that, that says, okay, this condition af actually happened while I was in combat in, in a theater or whatever. So have, I think they've, like, relax those a little bit and some of these Vietnam vets are being able to get some benefits for that? Yeah, so what they've, they've came up with is what they call a presumptive list. There are, originally it was 15 different uh, diseases that were considered presumptive to Agent Orange exposure. Since they've just added three new conditions, those being uh, bladder cancer, hypothyroidism, and Parkinson or Parkinson-like symptoms. So all you need is a diagnosis. If you have a diagnosis of the 18 different uh, diseases or conditions and they have a record of you being in Vietnam, 
they concede it and automatically will grant service connection for that condition. I mean, that's pretty easy, right? Could yes, that, that's an, that's a, anytime you're dealing with presumptives, those are easy. Those are pretty easy. They're cut and dry. Diagnosis was in Vietnam. Grant. It's just a matter of at what percentage for each individual one. Right. And, of course, that's based on the severity of it. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, we would encourage Vietnam vets, you know, if, if, if they have any of these, they need to call your office and, you know, get some information about that. But we encourage the vets to check that out and to see if they qualify for that because that could be a benefit that, that could help their family and them, you know, um, um, as, as they get through life and everything and, and uh, you know, some of these things that happen to them or whatever. So, Well, an- another point <coughs> about that is they may have tried to engage the system decades ago and had a negative uh, experience with it. But that's like you said, that's changed and evolved and streamlined. So they may want to re-engage the system. That's, that's definitely true. I try to bring in as many Vietnam veterans as I can and just have a conversation with them right. and find out, you know, anything that's happened before, whether they filed or not. And just let them know through simple conversation. I was talking to a gentleman a couple of days ago and uh, just listening to him. I said, wait a minute, you have that? Oh, we need to put in for that. Yeah. You know, he didn't, and he had no idea he could put in for it. Right. Like I said, just that simple conversation and listening to somebody. Okay. I might yeah. also add that, you know, I, because of all the things we talked about, uh, Vietnam vets. A lot of them didn't want anything to do with anything after they got out. Right. So they didn't, and I know people, friends of mine, that I knew for years that would easily qualify. Yeah. But they just wouldn't do it. But uh, Mike helped me tremendously with my claims. And uh, anybody that was in Vietnam, anywhere out in the fronts, it was exposed to. Oh, no doubt. Agent Orange. No doubt. No doubt. In mine, what got me through to the end was the, the heart ischemia. Right. And, um, you know, like you said, there's a lot of things that have happened since right. those original claims. And the Agent Orange basically just a high dose of Roundup. I mean, it was like, a, it, it was different than Roundup, but it did right. the same thing right. as Roundup. And, and uh, you know, you see movies about these uh, veterans, you know, have their ponchos on, and then, you know, this stuff is just raining down on them, you know, as they're walk, walking through the through the jungle or whatever, you know. So uh, you just you just never know, you know, if you were, and you just, you didn't have to directly get exposed to that, you know, if it, it could drift over to your barracks or wherever you were, you know, living or whatever, you know. A good example is, say, <laughs> uh, flights that were carrying bodies back and coming into Dover. Well, if you were in the Air Force and you were handling stuff coming off that plane, you were exposed to Agent Orange. Right. You know, right. So there's different ways of going going about it. I know this to be true dealing with the VA. If you don't ask, the answer is no. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Matt, we're gonna go to a quick break, real quick, and and we're gonna bring in uh, Neil. He's an, uh, he's the other VA rep uh, that works with Mike, uh, and we were able. The county, you know, again, we were able to go ahead and and because you were working three days a week, and there was two days that because you just wanted part time. And so we were able to bring on another uh, VA rep that kind of helped everybody through that process. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back, and uh, we we added uh, Neil Galford, who's who is the other VA rep, and uh, so talk a little bit about your military experience and kind of what you went through. Uh, well, first off, I actually didn't plan on joining the service. <laughs> uh, it actually started with a dream slash nightmare. My wife and I, she was a girlfriend at the time. Uh, I was working at a steel mill, had a nightmare, thought I was overseas, woke up, told her, something told me I need to join the service. Wow. That was probably about 3 a.m. That morning I went to a recruiter. His name was Scott Morgan, so if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> uh, 
I joined the service and I left maybe 14 days later. Wow. Wow. Uh, and it happened that fast. Yeah. I know my wife's asking because she just told me. She's like, make sure you. <laughs> <laughs> so how f- soon after that did you get deployed? Uh, well, actually, I was in the unit for maybe not too long, just a few months. And they were asking for volunteers to deploy. Uh, they didn't have enough MPs. So they asked, and I was in a handful of people that just raised their hand, and I volunteered with a unit. I had about 30 to 35 days notice. Wow. So I came home and told her that, hey, I'm leaving in a month. <laughs> uh, but she stuck with me through it. I mean, she really did. She took a loan the whole, the whole trip. Whereabouts in uh, Afghanistan were you? Uh, Kandahar. Okay. Kandahar. Now, was there a prison there? Uh, we, we weren't with a uh, prison. We first got stationed at KF, Kandahar Airfield. Right. And then they needed our services at Camp Nathan Smith. So we stayed there as an outpost. It was not, not very big. Okay. Uh, we were with the Canadians for the, for a lot of the deployment, too. So cool. we, we used them a lot for route clearance. Right, right. Okay, so this opening kind of came up for the, the VA rep, and you said, you know, I, that's something I want to do, right? Tell us about that. So I uh, talked to Mike uh I don't know, about a year or so ago, yeah. uh, probably about a year or so ago, and uh, he told me that, hey, if you really want to do something, then I'll keep you in mind. I think I pestered him a little bit, talk, called him probably once a month, twice a month, something mm-hmm. like that, and uh, I was coming back from a trip, and he told me, hey, there's going to be an opening coming up. Are you interested? Tell me when I start. Cool. That's pretty much how it started. Cool. But I, I've been doing this officially for three to four months. However, I've been doing it unofficially, helping friends of mine since 2011, 2012, uh, filing paperwork and stuff like that, right. helping them out. Right. But and did you come through, you came through Fort Campbell at yes. the end? Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of how you got into the Dixon area? Uh, yeah. I got out in uh, Fort, uh, Fort Campbell, but I was in Clarksville. Right. And then I uh, worked for the railroad for a little bit. And then Dowtow Corks opened up around here. So I came here as a uh, plant supervisor slash uh, sup- production supervisor. Right. And I did that for a little bit. Okay, cool. So well, We're glad to have you on board. I appreciate it. Yeah. So what the other, one of the other things I want to talk about is, and, and this has just c- kind of come about here in the last few years, is about this burn pit thing for the, for the VA. So everybody that was deployed knows that, you know, <laughs> you were near a burn pit at some point during your deployment, you know, we were like, I was like 100 yards from a burn pit for like 12 months or whatever, you know. And so now they're realizing that we we never knew what they were burning in there, you know. I mean, you just didn't know. You saw black smoke, all kinds of different color smoke, you know. You never knew what it was. I'm sure y'all had some of that too, didn't you? Well, I, I talk about that a little bit. I was like the whole country of Kuwait was on fire. That's fire. Right. <laughs> I mean, the whole country was a burn pit. What are you talking about? That's, that's true. Anyway. That's true, because they set all those uh, oil fields yeah, on they fire. Did. Yeah. They set everything on fire. Right, right. It's not even just burn pits that we created. It's the environment around us. Like in Afghanistan, they burned all their stuff as well. They right. have a dump or I know. a landfill. They yeah. set it on fire and got rid of it. Right, right. So so here recently, they've, they've started recognizing that some of these – Conditions are caused by being exposed to uh, the burn pit. So, how 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 hard is that to navigate now? Uh, well, it's just like say dealing with uh, Vietnam era uh, uh, veterans. Uh, of course, that took longer than it's taken with uh, be it Gulf War or, Af- or the Afghanistan. Uh, you know, the Agent Orange. How long it took the VA yeah, to recognize what happened with Agent Orange exposure and those things. So uh, just recently, uh, January of last this past year, uh, three conditions uh, that they consider presumptive to uh, uh, air exposure in over over in Afghanistan or Iraq or anywhere in Southwest Asia, and that being uh, chronic bronchitis, mm-hmm. rhinitis, and I'm drawing a blank on the third one right now. But those three conditions are considered presumptive, too. So, once again, if you have a diagnosis of one of those, uh, you show you were uh, in one of those theaters of operation, then they'll grant that uh, condition based on the severity And that's pretty it. easy, right? Yes, that's pretty. Those are cut and dry. Once you have a diagnosis of one of the listed conditions that's on the presumptive list, it's, it's not a matter of if they'll grant it, just a matter of, 
when they process it. Now, one of the things I've heard about the burn pit, are they doing a registry of those? Are they starting to collect a registration? Of yeah, just, yeah, they, same thing with Agent Orange. They, uh, they did a registry, same thing with, and I encourage people to do that, to get yeah. registered, because all that is is more documentation. Right, right. That's all it is, more documentation mm -hmm. about your exposure to something. Right. Yeah, because I remember I've got, uh, this has been last year, I got an email from the VA about, getting on that burn pit registry. So I guess they assume where you were in theater that you're going to be exposed to that or whatever. You know? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So did did, they, did you get anything like that? Uh, I didn't get anything. I think we talk about it at the VFW uh, functions uh, on the state and national level. They talk about make sure we register for those uh, the burn pit registries. And stuff. one of the other things they talk about, too, dealing with that is some uh, undiagnosed illnesses. Mm -hmm. Chronic fatigue, muscle soreness, <coughs> ache, aching in joints and stuff. So if you have any of those conditions, make sure you're seen for it. It gets documented. Because anytime you can get stuff documented, all it's going to do is help substantiate sure. your claim. Sure. Now, how hard is it to, and, and uh, our Vietnam veteran may, you know, because he talked about uh, people in that era not even really wanting to have anything to do with the VA, you know. But how hard is it to like even get into the VA medical system, coming out of uh, uh, you know being active duty or you know in the guard or whatever? How, how hard is that to navigate? Because I know you've got to get into the system to be able to get benefits to you know to go to the VA hospital or you know to see be seen by a different specialist or whatever like that. Right. Uh, one thing I encourage people to do uh, if they haven't done it is like I say get in the system. Right. Uh, some people assume that, hey, I was in service. I'm automatically yeah, entitled you're or registered yeah. with the VA. Not the case. It's incumbent <laughs> upon that, that service member, that veteran, to, uh, one, if, uh, if you have something to claim, claim it. If you uh, get a disability rating, the medical care is automatically taken care of. Right. If you do not have a uh, rating or disability compensation, then on the medical side, it becomes income-based. So they'll do a means test, simple form you'll fill out, but you'll still be able to be seen uh, on the medical side. However, there, if you don't have any rating, or uh, then it, it, uh, there are certain co-pays you'll have with medication, right. so on and so forth. Right. Right. And, it, I mean, I, and I've been in, you know, when I got back from deployment, I went ahead and, and got into the system or whatever. And I've, I've been to the uh, PCP with, through, the, through the VA, and, the, and they do a really good job. Now, on the, you know, maybe at the admin level, you know, you have some issues. But once you get to your doctor, you're, all your doctors are really good. Yeah. And, and they oh, yeah. really seem to really want to, you know, to help the veterans and stuff. Yeah. So I, I've been really pleased with that. Yeah, that's what I've experienced for the most part. <laughs> Uh, I'm just glad that I was, I guess, young enough at the time where I knew I had to be my own advocate. Right. As, cause I would, I would, when I initially started, uh, you know, myself through the VA, it was like, I would see older veterans. I'm like, they don't have anybody helping them. Right. You know, they're just at the will of somebody at the hospital, but it's really changed mm -hmm. in the 20 years that I've been out <coughs> since I first started using the. VA, I, I have nothing but positive uh, results with them. Now, do you have do you work with any Korean vets or any any World War II vets? I have since I started uh, here in Dixon in two thousand fifteen, October two thousand fifteen, and I've helped four World War II veterans. Wow, can't remember the exact count on the Korean veterans. Uh, but, but the, so like the World War II veterans, they didn't have benefits, and you were able to get them benefits from that far back. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So people need to realize that you know, I mean, you you can't find out if you qualify unless you actually come and and try to find out if you do qualify. You know. Um, so um, you know, I encourage veterans to call your office. Um, you know. And to find out if they qualify for anything, um, how's the, how's your experience been so far with working with veterans? Pretty good. I mean, like I said, I, I've I've tried to help veterans 
probably over close to 10 years and file the paperwork and help them. Because a lot of people do not want to go in. Even the new generation that gets out, they, they want to do their own thing. Right. They just been through Afghanistan, Iraq, back to back. They just want it, they want to be left alone. Right. Get out However, and be done with it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we need them to <coughs> come to us, let us help you join the VFW. These organizations will not be around to help if you do not let us help you. Right. And they can also do that by now, not veterans, enlisted soldiers that are in right now, active duty military. Gather your stuff. Save your documentation. Yeah. Save your paperwork. Don't fight an uphill battle. The, you, we can still win it. However, don't fight an uphill battle. Right. Save your stuff. Document your things. We all know when we were in the service that, hey, don't go sick call. We need, we need you. You need to be, I in, know, this exactly. you right. need to be yeah. in this run. <laughs> yeah. Take yeah. the ibuprofen, drink the water, and I go exactly. on about your business. We, we know your toes are froze off, but don't go to sick call. You know, so <laughs> right. it's not lost on us that it's a macho environment, and, you know, they encourage you not to engage the medical system. So, you know, we, when you get out, that switch doesn't just switch off, and you right. all of a sudden start seeking right. medical care. So, yeah, it, you're exactly right. They need to. You know, we need to encourage them to engage the system and, and get registered. And yeah, because, you know, when you're, especially in an infantry unit, you know, you just, uh, you just yeah. suck it up. You yeah, know, your you bones could be sticking out. It's like, come on, uh. piece of tape <laughs> on that. You'll be all right. Yeah. I drank the Kool-Aid, and yeah. I, I did that for years. <coughs> yeah. mm -hmm. did, it, did it for years. Ended up having a, a shoulder issue where I couldn't laterally raise my arm up over my shoulder. Subsequently had surgery on it. But for the longest time, I just, I'll deal with it. Right. I know. I know, yeah. and you know, and, the, and that's why the VA is there for that pr purpose. But I, you know, I understand, you know, because like when I got back back from deployment, I didn't, you know, you go through all those uh, SRPs and everything, and I didn't want to. I just wanted to leave. I just wanted right. to get out. I, yeah. You know, and I I'm, and, and everybody goes through that. But yeah, you're right. I encourage people, especially if you're in right now, you need to be documenting everything that happens to you. You yes. know, because it, it's going to help you. Later on, once you get out and, and start navigating through the through the whole system and everything, and that's going to be <coughs> active. However, if you if you didn't go to sick call and you were the macho guy and you got out twenty years ago, that's what other forms are for. Uh, claimant supported claims. You have buddy letters. Mm -hmm. Buddy letters can help out tremendously. Lay statements. Right. Uh, they can help out tremendously. Someone that you were in with can vouch for you, and they can sit there and say, "Hey, look, I've been there. I've seen it. I've seen it happen." Right. And that can help your case as well. And that's not. Evidence that's not something that's saved, right? That's somebody vouching for your character saying right. it is a true statement. Exactly. Uh, to your point, like when, when you're ETS and you're like, heck no, nothing, I, anything, I know, exactly. anything that would delay the process of you getting out, you're not gonna do it, exactly. You're like, no, no, nothing's wrong with me, I'm gonna right. go. <laughs> just you just show me how to get the you know, you're walking with the layup and everything, right. and the, no, I'm fine, I'm no, perfect, everything's fine. good, just let me go. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, and, and I know Tom <laughs> can speak to this. One of the good uh, things to say with Agent Orange exposure, one of the conditions that's considered presumptive to is peripheral neuropathy. However, if you read, it says the onset had to occur within one year of exiting the, serv exiting the service. So let's say if a Vietnam veteran was 24 when they were getting out of service. One, they all they wanted to do was get out. No doubt. Yeah. And within that year, a slight little tingling, at that age, that's nothing. Right. I'm not going to be seen for it. It's not going to be documented. Now I have a harder battle trying to get that uh, granted. Right. But it can be done. Right, mm -hmm. right. So what's that process? Because, okay, you make a claim, and it goes through, and, you, and then you have to have a um, uh, uh, an appointment with uh, the pensions and benefits or whatever they call those. Right. Guys. And then, then they send all that information up. And then if you get denied, what's the, the what's the step after that? You want to speak? Or? Yeah, All right. So uh, the VA implemented a new appeal process. I know older veterans, they went through the what they call the legacy, legacy appeal process, which was could take anywhere from two to five years. Wow. Well, they've streamlined that now. They have what they call now the ramp. Uh, it's a just a modernization of appeals process. They have three different appeals that you can uh, ask for. You can ask for a higher level review where somebody is higher up than the person that made the original decision. But just know when you're doing that, they're only going to use the evidence that was used at the time that decision was made. Then you have a supplemental appeal. That's where you have new 
and material evidence that is relevant to your claim. So let's say I put it in a back claim. They looked at all the evidence that I had before, but now I have new evidence, let's say, that shows that I do have degenerative disc disease. Okay? So now they can grant it based off of that new information. Gotcha. And then the last one where you can appeal straight to the Board of Veteran Appeals. Uh, and that's where you can go before a law judge. Uh, and right now they're doing those. Uh, uh, Electronically, right? Electronic, virtual. Right. They're doing virtual hearings. And in our case here in Tennessee, we, uh, we work coincide with the Tennessee uh, Department of Veteran Services. So they have, we have representatives, lawyers up there that before you go before a judge, uh, they'll make contact with you, go over your case, and present your case to the judge and help you uh, present any information that you have to that law judge. Cool. So w we're aware of folks, uh, even at the VFW, that have been de declined uh, in the past. So would you encourage them to re-engage? Like Always. Yeah, yeah. So... Whether it's a decade ago or I, 20 years ago. Or I whatever. don't care how long ago yeah. it and is. And we hear rumbles of that, and someone will say, well, I was declined. I was so you're saying go ahead and re-engage the system. Re-engage. Make another run at it. I was, de I was denied uh, when I initially uh, retired from the service for a condition. Ten years later, put in for it and was approved. Wow. Yeah, so you just have to be – you just have to persevere through this mm -hmm. process – and, it, and sometimes it's going to be a long process. Sometimes it might be a shorter process. But And I think, you know, the government maybe think, well, we'll just make – we'll drag this process out and then they'll, they'll just, just say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. But you just have to keep persevering, keep, you know, keep doing what you need to do. And, I, you know, in, in, in more cases than not, you'll prevail, I think. Yes, yes. I found that to be the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, just give us a round. Like, how many are declined? Like, what would you say? Ten percent, thirty percent, fifty percent? Where do you have a number at all? Or I would say it's 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 not a number that we could come up with. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Every case is dependent on its own circumstances and its mm -hmm. own evidence. And yeah. some people come to the office <coughs> and they have a a binder three inches thick. Mm -hmm. Some people come to the office they don't even have a DD two fourteen yet. Mm -hmm. So we'll the process slows down, but the process is not set up to fail if you quit you will fail every time right right exactly. and that's why we are there also to encourage hey mm -hmm. let's apply for it again or let's go another route maybe we won't apply for that we'll apply for this that is linked because uh, it's all verbiage mm -hmm. yeah. when, when we put it in the biggest thing it's verbiage it's how you respond to the question right right so uh, what do you say will we try to help you with that right. I, I, I give this percentage <coughs> if there is documentation to show that something happened. I don't care how long ago it was, but if there's evidence to show that it happened, I, I would say the success rate is very high. Mm -hmm. I'm a very high. Uh, if it's not in there, uh, even going through the appeals process, that's where you can get in to uh, lay statements, uh, uh, that can help substantiate your case, uh, and it goes before a law judge, he can weigh that evidence right. at that time, right. whereas in a regular claim, that type stuff can't be used. The, is, you know, we talk about this, the buddy evidence. Is that really pretty good evidence? Yes. Really? Did they, yes. They look Even from your wife. Really? Even from your wife. All right, don't discount what a spouse could do for you when filing a claim. And it gets to that process. Right. She has to go through a lot of the stuff right. that that veteran is going through. Yeah, exactly. So who who better else is there? You know, I live with this. I'm, I'm with this person all the time. Right. Here's, I'm telling you, here's what's happening. <coughs> yeah. Well, what, what I actually went, my <coughs> wife actually went to an appointment with me because she understood that, like most vets, we're not going to speak on our behalf. If the doctor right. talks to us, we're trying to get in and get out. Right. That's it. Your significant other, on the other hand, might be like, no, no, let's talk about this. And I think they spent more time talking to my wife at the appointment than they did myself. Really? Because well, I wasn't open. I mean, yeah. at that time, 
I was like a lot of other veterans right. that I didn't, I was there and it was annoyance to right. me. Why am I here? Why do I have to Go tell this. you right. all over? If I'm uh, trying to ask for PTSD, why am I here talking about it? Right. Well, right. that hate to say it, but that is the process. Yeah. And the, and you have to go through the process. If not, that percentage is a hundred percent no. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, the guys that don't apply at all, it's a hundred percent no. They're they're not. Right. They're, right. They're, they're not going to hunt you down. Right. Hey, it's I not like bu- yeah. I got a bunch of money and stuff. I'll give you. They're not going right. to do it like that. Uh, you know, what about your ex-wife? Can they, they help you? <laughs> <laughs> can they help you? She got a long list of stuff. She probably If she's willing to write it, <laughs> you might have to give her a cut. But I do want to give a shout out to the spouses because, you know, um, you know, going through deployments, I know my wife, she had a, a hard time, you know, we were raising two little girls and I was gone for 15, 16 months or whatever. And it's difficult. It's difficult at home. You know, I say, you know, yeah, all I had to worry about was myself, keeping myself, you know, and she had to worry about everything else, you know. So the spouses go through a lot, so I, I just give a, a, a great shout-out to my spouse especially. And yeah, to definitely, you should, because it it makes it easier on you as, as a service member if you know that my home is taken care of. Right. That's, that's one thing I don't have to worry about while I'm gone. Right. Uh, so they, they yeah. definitely – yeah, the whole family sacrifices for sure. No so. doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Well, we're going to kind of we got to wrap up here. Um, we really appreciate y'all coming in and, and kind of sharing with us. Um, uh, Tom, why don't you come on back in here and we we want to kind of say a, a goodbye to everybody. We appreciate you coming in here. I know you're. I our think Tom's going to ask you about that. The hat. hat. I was yeah. getting ready. We didn't. Yeah, that's right. Hear anything <laughs> we'll about get back the hat. to the hat. Tom, this, Tom? this is the I was in a cav unit, okay, with, uh-huh. with the two seventy eighth cav, and uh, so this is their normal attire uh, when you uh, when go you out. When you say normal, does that come with the boots too? Yes, that, yeah, I've got yeah. the boots. Come on, come on in, Tom. The boots with the spurs. And yeah, oh, I've, I've got all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got all that. But hey. Again, you know, I know this, we've kind of talked about the VA stuff, and, you know, we appreciate you coming as a Vietnam vet. We really do. Um, I, I know that, uh, you know, your, your sacrifice wasn't well received initially, but I think now, I think, you know, generally speaking, y'all are very appreciated in what y'all did and Most what y'all of went us through. Have come home. We're all right. right, exactly, exactly. So we support that community. We support. Thank you for coming in, uh, Richard. I know you've you've got a successful uh, real estate business, and uh, you spend a lot of time with the VA. And we we appreciate your um, what you do there and how you support the veterans. We really do. And y'all, you know, y'all've got a, a an important job for the veterans. I encourage all the veterans to come see these two guys because they can help you out with a lot of things, a lot of issues that uh, that the VA can help you out with. So. Thank y'all for coming in and kind of giving us a little bit of inform- information. You can, uh, y'all's number is, you can look it up on the, I think the county website. It's on it? the county website. Yes, it is. Right. So yeah. uh, if y'all need that number, uh, you can just go to the county website. And your office is over here on, uh, what's it? Beasley Drive, yeah, 250. Beasley. Yeah. And that number is 615-446-0229 for the appointment line. So okay. if you need to call us, get a hold of them, we can set up an appointment soon as possible and y'all work by appointment yes yes okay however we'll take walk-ins if we don't have if a scheduled appointment gotcha we, gotcha. we take walk-ins at the vfw too there you are just come on by we'll, we'll get you signed up if you have any questions about the vfw you know call me or tom my number 615-708-0031 we'd love to have you we're yeah. having a big celebration today if any absolutely wants to come up and absolutely yeah what are you what are y'all doing uh we have uh I think so, yeah. And, uh, you know, we're just uh, there to commune Support. with the veterans. Yeah. If you'd like a beer, we'd, we'd buy you. You can do that. What, what time is that? Uh, we'll start uh, any time now, like probably 1 to 2, okay. something like that. Yeah, the VFW okay. is open seven days a week at, here in, at locally, so uh, we're here. We're there every day. I'm not there every day, but right. I'm saying it's open seven days yeah, a week. Yeah, a lot so. of VFWs don't have the hours aren't able to keep the hours that we do here because we have such an active post. Right. Cool. Yep. cool. Well, yep. we're, we're, we're very grateful for that. And so we encourage all all veterans to get involved with the VFW. Call your VA reps 
and uh, we really appreciate you watching. Again, if you will like and share this on Facebook or uh, subscribe, give me the thumbs up on YouTube, and uh, we really appreciate you tuning in today. Um, next week, we have kind of a family show that we're going to be doing, so please tune in for that. But until then, everybody have a great Veterans Day, and uh, thank you. Thank you for watching. We know that you enjoyed today's show. Join us each Friday on your lunch break at 12 p.m. for new insights into local events, politics, and all things Dixon County. Remember to like us on Facebook and subscribe on YouTube at The Jeff Eby Show or visit our website, thejeffebyshow.com.